before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to give a massive thank you to Toby and Jennifer who are supporting us on the highest tier of our Patreon, our Rainbow Parents tier. If you've uh, not checked out our Patreon yet, uh, have a little wonder over there. The link will be in the show notes um, if you are potentially interested in also supporting the show. Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time. I'm Rowan Ellis and welcome to one of our special guest episodes. Today we are joined by, of course, a very special guest who will be answering the question, what movies made me queer? I am very excited to welcome Mia Mulder, who's, you know, rap sheet includes YouTuber and politician, which I feel like is a very unique mix that I... Also very impressive. Clap, clap, clap from the audience. Amazing, incredible. Two of the most it's not impressive. well-respected positions in society <laughs> and you've managed to conquer them both. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. That was ironic, right? Like I have a hard time telling, <laughs> but like I have the two like rattiest professions in the world <laughs> and I'm very happy about it. Hi everyone. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> I'm here to talk about queer movies. Love it. So the first question that I like to ask before we dig into the actual movies is uh, the title of this kind of type of video that we make, the format, is Movies That Made Me Queer. But uh, some people have different identities to that. Some people have multiple identities that they like to identify with. I really hoped I would find a better word than that, <laughs> but we're just going to go with it. So would you, if if you were to have named the episode for you, would you have said movies that made me queer? Or would you have like other words, other identities you'd want to bring into that? Um, movies that transed me, I guess. Love that. Or movies that made me into the horny bisexual that I ended up being. Incredible. That's, we have had a lot of horny bisexuals on the show. I honestly am all for solidifying stereotypes and letting know, the right? bisexuals that, that live that stereotype have their voices heard. Too long have they been silenced. <laughs> I think it's so unfortunate because on one end it's like, obviously it is a harmful stereotype and we do need to counter it. But also like, it's kind of true in so many cases. <laughs> and it's like, can you really fault people for having the stereotype at this point? You can, right. and I do, um, <laughs> but we shouldn't. But not on this podcast. Not this on is this a podcast. Guilt-free zone. <laughs> Amazing. So, ah. what have you? What have you bought for us today? Tell us the movies. Let us in on your secrets. Oh, wonderful! So, I have, I have, I have a few movies to start off with. I just wanted to quickly mention because you mentioned in before we started recording, you mentioned that other guests had watched. Robin Hood and wanted to fuck mm. Disney's Robin Hood. And I realized as you said that, I was just like, oh, that's me. So yeah. as a child, I'm, I'm just going to bring that up now. I didn't even plan on it. But I, like, because as a kid, your view of sexuality is very, very basic. But there's something about Disney's Robin Hood, about like very golden retriever guy with honor, which is sort of like you re you really find yourself very attracted to and you don't know why mm -hmm. and you sit there as a, as a as a like as a small child confused every morning and here in Sweden because I'm Swedish uh unfortunately every christmas we there's like like a christmas special of disney so we just watch like a disney montage every christmas it's like a weird tradition that we have and robin hood is part of that so every time every christmas my one of my first like childhood crushes come up, which I think is very funny. I love that you're like, Merry Christmas to me specifically for this moment. <laughs> I get to see <laughs> my himbo times. once again. <laughs> but the first real movie that I wanted to bring up is, because I, I think the thing that really has shaped sort of like my queer identity more than anything else has been movies that deal with gender. Mm. Movies that are just oozing with gender, dripping in gender, uh, overflowing in gender, you might say. And... While it's not the most gender movie in the world, maybe, depending on how you look at it, I gotta mention Disney's Mulan. Oh, yeah. Gotta mention it. Classic. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm, like, trans-feminine, uh, this is more of a, like, a trans-masculine story, there's still that sort of, like, essence of, like, hi hiding among masculinity and presenting gender in a, in, a, in a weird way to sort of fit in in a world where you don't really fit in, but doing what you need to do to survive. That hit deep for me as a mm. child. This is probably like a very common question, a common movie though, on this podcast, I feel like. I mean, well, for like various different reasons as well. I feel like it hits obviously like the trans identity, but there's also a lot of people where like, there's a sexuality element of it. There's also the horny bisexual Mulan and Shang, like 
double so like like two, both of them really 10 out of 10 <laughs> power couple so was that you say kind of like as a child like was that this is something that's always really interesting in the podcast because a lot of people will talk about movies that like it's very much like an in hindsight situation where they're like mm. okay if i look back on being a kid were you as a kid like conscious in any way of what was going on in your brain or is it very much like a, oh I look back on it and now I'm like oh I see why I was so fascinated by this character I, I think that there's elements of both there I think that now as an adult I look back at it and I, I, I see things that I didn't see as a kid but there was definitely a part of like as a kid where I was like continuously like pretending like play pretending to to be Mulan a lot of the time and just being like, I'm also pretending to be a boy. <laughs> and mm. not really seeing it as a sort of like as a trans thing, but just like this is this is fun play. This is this is an obvious interpretation of this movie. Which, you know, when you bring it to your friends, it's just like, no, it's it's not. So so it's a little bit of both there. Like on one end it is like there there was a conscious interpretation of it as a child, but that was not maybe the full picture of it. Because now when you go back, like, obviously, it's like, oh, gender. (laughs) Of course. There's so much gender in it. Yeah, right. But I think especially because, like, what's so funny to me is that it was clearly made with this idea of gender that was entirely tied to like the feminism of the time to do with like girl power wow we've we we got a princess who can use a sword oh girl so exciting she literally slays but there is when you look at it for like two seconds it's like well you have this guy who clearly is attracted to someone that he perceives as a man but we're like the the film just like glosses over and like "Mm, there's actually this very interesting kind of like actual breakdown of gender as a performance and like all of this stuff that's like kind of ends up happening just because you have this surface level idea of like the girl boss slay queen um element of it that it's like as soon as you start talking about that you kind of also have to talk about how ridiculous all of it is in a lot of ways um which i find really interesting that's kind of like a not entirely intentional i mean there's i do not believe in any way shape or form that disney was like do you know what we should do trans narrative (laughs) i don't think that was what was going on (laughs) but it's it's like not a coincidence that so many people like have read it that way even as children even if they weren't entirely sure why they were reading it like that which i think is very interesting i I also think that it's very unintentional but i'm so surprised that it is because it feels almost like it's so Mm. it's blatant almost it's it's very like hitting you over the head with how much gender it is not only does the main character of mulan obviously like perform gender in a very way and as you say like there's this like almost homoerotic tension going on throughout the movie but they keep revisiting like gender as both performance but also strength like from beginning to the end to the very end of the movie where not only like male gender performance becomes beneficial uh, in the the sense that like Mulan can you know fit into the army and do whatever she wants but like they actually you know they defeat the villain of the movie using feminine gender presentation Mm -hmm. instead of just having it be part of a narrative that has more to do with like Mulan as an individual they just they steep the entire like all acts of the movie are all part of gender absolutely and I think that 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 hit for me you know in a in a weird way as a kid I just like the scene where she's on the roof and like only has her fan and manages to like disarm the guy with the fan I was like that still remains one of the coolest fucking scenes in all of cinema oh i putting my flag in the sand now this is that is one of the coolest scenes so fucking rad i also think it was like not just that there are hey here are like separate strengths to do with these different aspects of femininity and masculinity but that they are like entirely tied together like the scene in which Mulan is having to there's like this chat for anyone who hasn't seen Mulan what are you doing with your life but there is the scene (laughs) with the the challenge when she's just kind of disguised as ping where they have to carry these two medallions up this pole to like get to the top and she uses the exact same technique with these like beautiful silks at the end of the movie to climb up and it was like oh these are also the same like there's there's like connections between these different parts of her and parts of the identity but also what there's a part of me that's just like groaning internally at the fact that like you know if that movie was made now 
there would be people who saw the connection, but like not in a good way. Like it would be some like woke snowflake shit that's so frustrating. I'm like, I'm glad I got it when I was a kid. I'm glad I, I had the chance to watch Mulan before any of that shit was happening. I mean, happening, but not necessarily in the mainstream media. Yeah. I think it's a sign of how sort of like trans awareness has has grown in a way because like you could get away with a lot of shit like in the in the 90s and early 2000s just because most people weren't even thinking of gender in in in, a, in that sort of way yet so you could play mm -hmm. with it you could have fun with it and you could go completely nuts with it i'm, I'm thinking like in, in, a, in a similar vein uh star trek deep space nine like has a character who's a very obvious analogy for for trans people the like when she's introduced she's like Oh, I have a new name and gender. Mm. And that's like a part of my personality. I haven't ch changed necessarily, but like I have a new gender presentation entirely. And this is my new name and pronoun. And like in the 90s, you could do that shit. You could not do that today. Mm. And I think because there was always this like plausible deniability. Back then you could say like, well, it's not really like something like that. And uh, in the case of Milan, you could always say like, well, this is a, you know, a girl boss story. It's not a gender story. It's a girl boss story. Mm. Princesses are strong too. Like you said, like yeah. it's it's like a you could twist it into being a, a more of a feminist story than a than a gender story. Mm. I think it uh, potentially is that in in that way, the reason why that worked as an option was the fact it was you can read as transmasculine story and that it's like oh this girl is strong and she can do stuff. And I do wonder about like the other side of it of like allowing a boy character to be feminine and to have that element of it. Whether that would have like there wouldn't have necessarily been an excuse I guess to like you couldn't be like oh it's girl bossing but for boy so I do wonder if that was like if if there would have been the same possibility because there is obviously like the kind of 90s weird little micro genre of like drag queen stories which mm -hmm. had their own space of like Tu Wong Fu and Priscilla and like Tu Wong Fu we literally I think the episode before this one when this airs is going to be about that that there was this strange little microcosm of like drag queen movies where they were also it was like drag queen movies but also they were never out of drag it was kind of like a they were called drag queens but the experience felt like it was more than just cis men sometimes dressing as women for money like it was a very different like a little bit more complex element of it yeah but that was very much like adult comedies as opposed to anything to do with kids and it's that i mean like I find that whole thing so fascinating of like what was your right permissible because of almost the lack of knowledge about it. And then as soon as there was not just knowledge, but like an interest in equality, that it becomes like a dangerous movement as opposed to just being like something that these individuals are doing and like good on them kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, not to bring it to a real depressing place immediately into this fun, <laughs> lighthearted podcast. Yeah. Uh, but and I, and I think like as part of that, because like, you also see like a, a lot of drag queen inspiration in a lot of like mm. Disney movies and kids movies as well. So like, and and I think that that's something that you could do because like, oh, that like adults of the time would be like, oh yeah, that's fun. That That's a fun mm. little quirky thing rather than as it's today, uh, a complete culture war issue, but. Yeah, I mean like Ursula being literally divine in The Little Mermaid is like yeah. such a classic example. I mean like maybe I could go back into the archives and people would be like, how dare they make this giant octopus woman <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> derivative of this famous drag queen how could they but i feel like i probably wouldn't get that from the papers at the time probably not as much and it's it's also wild that that happened like speaking mm -hmm. of nothing because like divine is as an inspiration for a kids movie villain <laughs> yes is, like pardon my language but that's wild mm -hmm. <laughs> that's crazy you could not do that today no well like this is what's funny about it is that i feel like sometimes like that's a piece of like cinematic history that people hear and people who aren't familiar with divine are like oh it was like a drag queen inspiration it's like no i bet like if you've ever heard this and you've been like oh cool it's like a drag queen inspiration i go and watch stuff that divine has been in and like you will be like oh this is yeah truly wild um what a <laughs> what a decision that they made um but also love them for it wasn't it like we're completely off the topic of milan now but that's fine wasn't it divine who said that like in some show or movie i don't remember i uh, legalize murder now i condone cannibalism eat shit <laughs> Something along those lines. You know what? Wouldn't surprise me. It sounds uh, like whatsoever. Brand. It seems like a very Ursula thing to say. Um, <laughs> as she sucks down on the tiny, tiny little souls that she's imprisoned. 
it just makes sense. They were like, we need really need some good, wholesome inspiration for this Disney villain. And they found it. They found it. That's good. <laughs> um, did you have anything else you wanted to say about Mulan? Was there any other bits that you wanted to dig into? I think the only thing that like... Because I, I, I remember the, the penny drop moment of when I was like, oh, this movie's going to connect with me on a deep level mm. at, as, a, as a small child. And that was the musical number where she cuts her hair off. <gasps> yes. Ref- uh, which reflection. Is, yeah. Cause, cause, and I distinctly remember it, not because of the song or anything like that, but because of the fact that just a few days before seeing that movie, I had had my hair cut. And I remember being... Like as a, as a as a as a young boy as I was as a, at the time, not anymore. I hated having my hair cut. It it was the mm. worst because I hated having short hair, and I remember seeing that, and and sort of like having a moment of like, oh, hair means something. Like hair mm. has like an, a gender importance and in a level that I haven't really understood before. Obviously, like in a in another direction, but it's like hair has this deep cultural understanding of like reflecting on who you are yeah and i never understood that before like and until i st- sort of saw that and that's that's the point that really has cemented itself in my memory mm. and i was like a kid so i didn't really get more than that but i remember after seeing that movie i was like oh cool i'm never cutting my hair short again and i never did mm. uh, like that that like after that i bullied my parents into le- letting me have long hair for the rest of like my childhood and it was that was nice. That's really interesting, right? Because it's like it wasn't that you saw the movie and suddenly were like, "Wait a minute, now I don't want to cut my hair." It's like it was a thing that you were feeling and not necessarily able to understand. Like, what? Why is this? What's happening? Yeah. And that this was a this was like a moment of like being able to articulate based on, ironically, the girl boss slay queen, um, <laughs> that is Mulan. <laughs> really brought that for you, yeah. patron saint of the trans girls everywhere apparently yes but i like i think that that's really interesting of like this journey of there is like obviously so many studies around like how early kids are absorbing messages of like not just gender but like of race of like i literally just did a video on fat phobia and like the idea of what people look like being very important and saying something more about them than just what they look like and so i think it's that like it's really no surprise to me that it's it was kind of like a something was feeling wrong but it was like why is this what is going on with this it's not just that I don't like going to the hairdresser and hearing people snip away and that that was yeah such a it's like such an intense moment in the movie as well like the music is swelling there's this real determination and it feels like this real like no point of no return place for her deciding to like be a boy for this period of time so I think that makes total sense for it to have been like a moment for you yeah amazing but that that's 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 what i had from from the movie mulan Mm -hmm. it's good put it in the vault i do every single time i do one of these episodes i forget what my metaphor is for like what we're doing with these movies i'm like (laughs) paste it into the yearbook shove it into the vault like yeah it's going it's there it's on the wall it's on like the big wall of like red string conspiracy let's put it that like that's where it goes dead in the center (laughs) like what 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 causes queerness the the conspiracy board this whole podcast is just like a secret operation that i'm running to try and like distill the how we spread the agenda most efficiently and at the moment it's just like just just get kids to watch disney movies which i think uh we're doing a pretty good job of because they all do if that's what it takes then we've uh we're succeeding <laughs> we're winning <laughs> we're winning I, I just got reminded of a thing that I just wanted to add also, because, like, it, this has nothing to do with the movie at all, but I remember, like, when mm. the movie came out, I got a Happy Meal from McDonald's, and they had, like, a Mulan doll thing, mm. as a, like, as a special, along with the Szechuan sauce, and I loved that fucking doll so much, and it was also one of those things, that that thing I only realized as an adult, because I realized that's the only, like, girl toy that I had growing up. And I remember my parents being like, should you really have this, this toy? Like, it's kind of, it's kind of girly. And I was like, if you take this away from me, I will burn the house down. <laughs> I will destroy everything if you don't let me keep this fucking doll. Hard to argue that. But basically it's <laughs> let kids watch Disney and buy McDonald's. That's what we've learned 
Consumerism today. wins. Consumerism wins. It's a win for the gays. The pink pound is so strong. <laughs> Queer capitalism is good. <laughs> it really popped off today. Um, I, <laughs> the only, the only, um, when I think about Mulan, the only thing that fills me with a sense of confused frustration is the fact that in the Disney parks, they insist on her wearing her like matchmaker outfit all the time. She's like never in her armor, never in like her training stuff. It's such a weird decision that I'm like, I guess it goes with the other princesses, but what a strange like choice to make. I know. To be like, here she comes to the China Pavilion in Epcot. It's Mulan and miserable as she gets ready for the matchmaker at the beginning of the movie. And you're like, ah, oh, hi Mulan, <laughs> how's it going? <laughs> Which is so weird because it's famously an outfit she hates. I know, right? It's not even like she's like, okay, this is cute, but I do need to go to war now. She's like, wow, parent, I guess you're going to have to physically force me into this bath and then like, like wrestle me to the ground as you put this dress on me. Which I like to think happens as like a, a bit of method acting before the performer goes out at Disney World. They're like, you must get into character by we wrestle you in a bath. We like shove you in this dress. We push you out. And then you are matchmaker Mulan who doesn't want to be here but it's just having to interact with a lot of children and Disney guests I choose to believe that that's how that works I I choose also to believe this and like the Disney catacombs underneath the parks that stretch for miles yeah they they have to live down there in a an exact replica of the house from Mulan for their, they're not allowed to go home the queer movie podcast becomes Disney World conspiracy podcast was a turn that I didn't predict but feels right <laughs> Feels, Feels right. natural. We had a good direction. <laughs> if you've been enjoying listening to the episode so far and you, you've caught up with all of the Queer Movie Podcast episodes, you're like, well, I need another podcast to keep me going. Well, we have a recommendation for you. We are obviously part of Multitude and they have a bunch of other podcasts that I know that you would love listening to. And today I wanted to tell you about just one of them. This is Games and Feelings, an advice podcast about games. Join question keeper Eric Silver and a revolving cast of guests as they answer your questions at the intersection of fun and humanity. Since, you know, you gotta you gotta play games with other people so the ga games and other people, they go together. It makes sense. They talk about all kinds of games, video games, which is much more Jazz's speed, as well as tabletop games, which is much more mine, and party games, which we both enjoy. Laser tag, escape rooms, two things we haven't done together, but now that I am thinking about it, I think that will be hysterical, plus game streams, D&D, &D, the companies and workers that make these games, basically anything you can think of in that arena. They also have Jasper Cartwright, actor, D&D player and host of Three Black Halflings as a permanent guest. Eric, Jasper and various multitude folks are recommending games, answering advice questions and playing whatever quizzes Eric comes up with. And The Weekly Show also includes the hit 2020 show, What's Your Favourite Pokemon? And Then I Say Something Nice About You, where Eric interviews people about their favourite Pokemon and then says something nice about them. If you like what you hear and want to level up your emotional intelligence stat, then you can subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts, with new episodes dropping every Friday. At this point in the podcast, I just wanted to take a second to thank our sponsor, returning sponsor Squarespace. Very exciting. If you've been listening to any episodes so far, then I know that you know that we love Squarespace, both for the Queer Movie Podcast website, but also just like my website. I've I've used Squarespace as long as I've needed a website. Uh, I very quickly realized during ICT classes at school that my making an HTML web page with a single color background, three lines of text in various fonts, and a still image was not going to cut it in this particular arena of cutting edge, beautifully designed websites that we have now on the internet. So I have used Squarespace for making any website I've needed, essentially for my entire life online. Uh, they are the all-in-one place to do just that. Uh, you can use it for yourself, for your business, for an online shop, to connect with your audience. The possibilities are endless. Uh, as I'm sure you have gathered, if you have ever seen my presence online. I've never been relaxed a day in my life. So I have a lot of projects going on, a lot of different social media platforms, but uh, with Squarespace, I can kind of put it all in one place. I can link out to different websites. I can also embed social media links. So it will kind of update as and when you post new content. 
I also love a little uh, analytic deep dive. I love to go in and look at the insights and have a little look at, okay, what are people searching to find the website? Where are the sales coming from? If you've got like a, an online shop, what are the keywords people are typing in? What pages are most popular? Stuff like that. Do I then use those insights to do anything with? No, but that is very much a me problem. As I mentioned before, my design capabilities are extremely 0%, but I can look at what other people have designed and say, yes, that is pretty. I would like that, please, uh, which you can very much do on Squarespace because they come with a, a designer feature. So you can use templates, you can change the fonts, the colors, how things are arranged, but it just gives you a nice foundation that you can build on. Plus they have features that you might not think about. So a donation function, for example, so that you can encourage donations on your site for a cause that you care about. Like, I don't know, maybe you care about the bees uh, being gone. I heard they've been disappearing for a while and you're like, I'm just gonna make a website about bees. It's got cool bee facts, pictures of bees, videos of bees. Everything's bee designed, donation function to help the bees. I think that would be delightful. So check out squarespace.com forward slash queermovie for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code queermovie to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. But weirdly enough, that's the only Disney movie that I actually have, like as, mm. as sort of like queer inspiration. Uh, and I guess Robin Hood, like vaguely a little bit. But yeah, Mulan was like the one. Mm. And, I, and I think it's a pretty common one too. Yeah. But the, the the main movie that I've revisited multiple times in preparation for this podcast and that probably hit the hardest and it's probably also even more common and which is no no doubt come up on this podcast before is but I'm a cheerleader. <gasps> yes. An absolutely iconic choice. Yes. Maybe the best movie of the 20th century. Mm. But also fascinating as a choice for you specifically, who came here with the bisexual trans agenda, because that is notoriously a movie which on the surface, it's like purely a lesbian story about being mm -hmm. a lesbian and or a cheerleader. So I am I am very excited to hear about like your particular connection with this movie and like how that's fed into to you and your identity in the grand agenda of making you YouTuber and politician bi and trans. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'll be glad to tell you because on the surface, it's a basic, it's a kind of a basic movie that is like, has like gender as part of like this larger story of like of lesbianism, which I think is really good and really fun and really valid. But the thing I find most, most fascinating about it is that I'll tell you what I got out of it. First of all, to sort of mm. like set the scene, the thing I got out of it was that was well, the gender is fake and it doesn't necessarily make you happy to conform to any rules set out for you, no matter what those rules are. And I think that this is something that the movie does really, really well, because it, it, it frames this in, a, in, in the lesbian lens, but it works for so many other things. And it works really well, I think, for like trans issues specifically, even though trans people like aren't really part of this movie. And it's because like the normal world, for those of you who haven't seen But I'm a Cheerleader, who are you? Mm -hmm. Go pause this podcast, go watch it, come back. <laughs> it's it's the sort of thing of like, you know, a, a cheerleader gets taken to conversion therapy camp by her parents and classmates and boyfriend who all suspect that she's a lesbian, even though she herself is like convinced that she's not a lesbian at all, which I found it really interesting. That, that first of all, just being suspected of being a lesbian is mm. enough to send people to conversion camp, uh, whatever. But both the real world and the conversion camp are exceptionally binary in their gender presentation, right? There are like, there are husband stuff, there are wife stuff. Her mom and dad have very like strict roles in, in a certain way. Roles that they kind of fail in, but they have the role. And the boyfriend is like the like most classic boyfriend. All of her girlfriends are like the most heterosexual people that exist. And then when they come to conversion camp, they, they literally color code them in, in blue mm. and pink and teach them gender lessons, like how to be more of a man, how to be more of a girl, so that you will sort of like reaffirm your true sexuality as part of that. Uh, mm. Even though most of the things that they do have nothing to do with sexuality, it's just it's just your gender. Yeah. It's obviously a very miserable time for, for everyone. No one likes it. But there's one character... And this, this, this is sort of like the first steps that they take to sort of like being explicit about it. Uh, there's one character 
in the lesbian group who has like uh, a shaved head. Like it's a it's a little butch, and she's there. And like you like when you start watching the movie, you sort of assume right. So like obviously everyone here's here's a lesbian, and like she looks like the, the like the stereotypical like the movie like very much frames her as like being the stereotypical lesbian, and she has a thing of like. She she stands up in group session once and she and she says like I'm not a lesbian I like men I like boys I look the way that I do but that doesn't mean that I'm a lesbian and I think that that is so interesting because then the movie in in this like little shining moment is not about sexuality it's about like expectations of sexuality based on who you are mm-hmm. and I think that 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 sort of opens the door a little bit. Sorry, sorry if I'm ranting a little bit about the. Oh, please rant. This is what this podcast is for. But like, this is, you're completely right in that, like, there is this real tying together of gender and sexuality within this movie where they do kind of like the culmination of their conversion therapy training is this like weird simulated sex situation where they have like fig leaves over their private parts like their Adam and Eve. But that's only like the culmination at the end. Like that's when Mm -hmm. sex comes into it. Everything else is like teaching the girls to vacuum the house and teaching the boys to chop wood. And there is this, yeah, real tying together of the idea of like, if we just make the girls girly enough and understanding what their role is, which is a wife. And like the experience of being a woman and being a wife is like very tied together. And like, this is what you will do for your husband. Like, mm-hmm. and it's this real, really interesting, like pulling together. Like for for me, I'm like a cis woman, but in terms of my relationship with things like pronouns and the idea of womanhood, it's like she, her in a lesbian way. Cause I'm like, there is a real disconnect between my existence as a lesbian and what a woman is meant to be within society. And I find that like very, very clear within this movie of like how that's meant to play out in that I think, I mean, I was being slightly facetious at the beginning being like a lesbian movie for you what but you're like that's exactly it it's like all of this stuff is tied together when it's done with this completely nonsensical non-scientific religious fever like version of what they think it is to be queer in any way because it is also it's really funny because this is a comedy movie but like everything that you when you talk about the movie or when anyone talks about the movie it just sounds like a horror movie you're like yeah so they like kidnap this girl take her to conversion camp where they force her like all of this stuff and I'm like yeah it's kind of a a really dark subject but treated in this way that has this kind of lightness to it with the incredible inexplicably straight Natasha Lyonne as the lead (laughs) the lead character the only person in the world who has to be openly straight yeah other than Misha Collins but you know that's let's not get into let's not bring supernatural into this unless that (laughs) god forbid you've bought that as one of your options but it's a really like a there are these really interesting elements of it like the house that they're in for the conversion therapy is like a quintessential American haunted house motif but like in pastel colors so it's like very obviously like making a commentary on how absolutely ridiculous this all is which we love to see and I, I, yes, I, I entirely agree. Because like, it's even like when the boys learn how to like repair cars. It's all. It's also like the most the most American type of like m- like mm. man car, and they have to overperform like hyper masculinity and hyper femininity, um, in 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 a way that like obviously is not real, both in real life, but not even in the fiction of the movie. Because like outside of the conversion therapy, like there is still like this very binary sense of of gender and sexuality but not to that degree Mm. it raises it to a level of satire which i think is really fun and 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 another thing i find really interesting about it is that it also portrays queer people like while she's at the conversion camp and and also a almost pastiche way in a very like hyper demonized way there's a scene where the main character watches a movie of a lesbian describing like being in a lesbian relationship and describing it as like very abusive, uh, like being spat on, be, get, get, having like cigarette uh, uh, butts extinguished like on her skin, and, like being thrown off a th- thrown off like a Harley bike. And there's not as much of this in the movie, but like when they portray the existence of gay men, it's also like very flamboyantly feminine, and they're really like presenting this idea of what the world should be and what it should not be. But then they reach like the point where they meet the ex gays. Because people eventually start fleeing from this conversion uh, therapy camp, and there, there are these two gay guys who like take in people who who run away from the camp, and I think they're they're so deceptively stereotypical in a way where it's 
you see them first and there's this like big brawny guy with a beard and then there's like a little softer guy and you're like oh, okay i i i see what's going on here i've seen stereotypical depictions of gay men before and you kind of think that this is going to keep going with the, the exaggerated depictions of what's going on but it, then it doesn't <laughs> then it just becomes this like very mellow existence where like yeah they have a bunch of gay pride flags they have you know they they can be a little bit flamboyant but that's only like for a little bit and then eventually the characters go to a gay bar where none of that exists where it looks more like a normal bar than anything I've ever seen in my life it looks more like a normal bar than a normal bar does mm. there, there's also this like part where they run away to that place and they get ready to dress like they do their makeup and they like they get dressed to go to this place and I, I think it only happens for like a split second but there, there's this sort of like where the characters decide, like, what kind of style do you present to go to this place? Where the main character is like, should I dress up in a certain way? Is there a certain way that I, sh that, that I should do this? But th then the correct answer is, like, whatever you're comfortable in. And then they have this revisited scene when the main character eventually, like, runs away entirely and, like, moves in with these gay guys. And she has this thing about, like, I, well, I don't know how to be a lesbian. I don't know what to do. Like, where do I work? What kind of clothes do I wear? Like, how do I conform to this new ideal that I think exists and they they're very blunt about it and like the surreal nature of it all comes really crashing down and they just have a really mellow conversation and they say like well there's no there is no right way to be a lesbian you are you are who you are and I think that that's something that like if, if you watch it on a surface level it's like well you are who you are which is like you're gay but it, it also goes into like you are who you are in terms of like gender presentation. Like you can portray mm. yourself however you want. You can act however you want. You can have whatever clothes you want. It does like none of that matters because you are who you are. And I think that that hits deep mm. in a way that I think maybe doesn't work for like many people, but it definitely hit deep for me. I think that if you don't have like these complexes around like gender presentation or sexuality, like you might if you're a closeted like queer person or a questioning queer person, it's like. You take a lot of those things for granted, I think. Mm. But this movie kind of goes back to basics in that way. I, I kind of wrote down in my notes that, that that this movie is sort of like queer 101. Yeah. But it is also one of the first, like, teen queer movies in a way. Like, it's like when I first saw Carol and I was like, I think I'm the only lesbian who doesn't like this movie. But it was because I'm so aware of all of the tropes that mm. are present in it. But I'm only aware of them because the because The Price of Salt, which the movie is based on, is the originator of a bunch of those tropes because it was one of the one of those early books. So I was kind of like, okay, I kind of forgive it for that because they were, I guess you earned your right as the one who started them in the first place. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of conversations that happen around like the negative elements of being queer and that like almost this implication that like the best you can hope for is like neutrality of like, it's not terrible. It's just life. We're just like everyone else. But I do think that there is an element of this movie that shows that there are like genuine active positives to queerness, whether it is community, whether it is the freedom that is potentially there to say, hey, all of these trappings of heterosexuality of like a life that you have to lead that are like, this is what your life looks like. You have to do this for like, like you, this is how dating works. Then you have to get married because that's what you're expected to do. You have to have kids. You have to like, this is you know, what you are meant to aspire towards is completely broken down as soon as like the screws come loose and the like the wheel falls off of being like, but what if I don't want to get married to a man? Then suddenly it's like, oh, shoot, then, okay, cool. Everything sort of is just revealed to be nonsense, ultimately. Like it's a thing you can do, but it isn't what you have to do, especially for a while because it was literally illegal to do it. Like it wasn't even like a, oh, I don't know if I want to. It's like, oh, you cannot, you don't have access to that. And like, me being like a 31 year old woman growing up at a time in which I was like oh I might never be able to get married and for a long time this also idea of like I might be able to have kids but it won't be entirely legally recognized and that that is going to be a problem as well like I was having to decide my own fate as a teenager I wasn't able to do the stereotypical like oh I like have been dreaming about my wedding since I was a child like all this stuff I was forced to make my own decisions and that can be seen as quite tragic but it can also be seen as very liberating of like oh actually we get to choose in the same way as like you were saying you get to choose how you dress what your life is like there's no one way to be a lesbian and I think that that's something which is 
harder to break out of potentially if you're talking about there not being one way to be a a straight woman because there is so much baggage like placed on what you're meant to be doing and so much pressure that I feel like there is almost this nice element within the movie that reflects this kind of freedom that you can have if you are kind of queer and within these queer spaces that aren't trying to like replicate another version of like what you have to be yeah so like it's 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 a, it's a nice positive movie mm. in that sense and I think and I think the reason I connected to it is also because like even though it is kind of shallow occasionally it's it, it it does really break down like a lot of those those things as well I, I related very much to what you said along like like when you when you are growing up like you don't really know like what kind of rights there are going to be in the future and this is something that I had like an, an extraordinarily amount of anxiety about like when I when I first like started thinking about like potentially being queer I said that like I'm like applying for a job at Queer Inc. I thought about being <laughs> queer, considered it. I, I think they deal with this in the movie like a tiny bit, which I think is like it may, you know, maybe it's not the most in-depth management of it. But there's this scene where the girl who the main character is attracted to and they eventually end up together. Spoilers. Like, her parents are, like, 100% not supportive, like, very blatantly, like, if you don't follow the life path that we've sort of set out for you, you will be disowned entirely, and not only will you be, like, disowned and, like, shut out of the family and be homeless and live alone, uh, they're not just, like, a normal family either, they're, like, quite rich or something that I also, mm. like, so, like, not only is she giving up a life, but she's giving away, like, a pretty good life if she decided to, like, remain homosexual, and... They kind of deal with that as well. Like, during this conversation where the gay guys talk to the main character about, like, well, you can be however you want to be, they also mention her being like, well, she needs to make her own choices, and you can't force anyone else to make a choice, but you can sort of help people discover what is actually going to make them happy. Mm. And that's sort of the the love interest's arc in this, which is, like, the, the, the life path that she could probably use quite well and, like, benefit a lot of is not actually going to like give her like meaning or like joy or anything. I actually quite really like that the movie doesn't end with like a statement of like how long they end up being together or like them getting married mm. or like a future in- or a view into the future or something like that with like a house. I kind of like that it's like this fleeting thing almost. It could mm. be fleeting because the main character uh, like she shows up at the graduation thing for this conversion therapy camp. And does a cheerleader song, which ends with the love char- uh, love interest character like leaving graduation and running away with her. It's very nice, and I kind of like that it's framed in the sense of like that the thing that will give her joy is being true to herself and pursuing what she needs to pursue, not knowing how that is going to turn out. Like that, mm. that that's not a sure thing. That's not a new life path necessarily, or like a new plan to follow. But it's living true to yourself rather than an alternative life path. And I think that's a very healthy view of like coming to terms with your own like queerness in that sense. Because that's something that really helped me with my with my anxieties uh, when I like figured out that I was queer. Because I, I specifically had this thing of like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to have kids like at all. Because in, in Sweden at the time, it was like illegal for trans people to be fertile. <laughs> Crazy mm-hmm. times. And this movie, in part, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to credit the movie entirely for this, right? But like, in part, helped realize that, like, it doesn't really matter. That There is no goal in mind. There's no result that I'm trying to achieve. It's more, like, how do I live in congruence with who I am, in that sense. And I think that that is a message that resonates across, like, everyone from the LGBTQ community. So even though it's, like, very much aimed at the concept of like homosexuality, I think it also works very well for like for bisexuality and for like gender nonconformity of any kind, mm. uh, especially because they do deal with like gender nonconformity within the movie as well. There's also like a goth character that also like even though it's not gender nonconforming in that way, like she's not more masked, she's just goth. That's also seen as like a valid type of like presentation mm. that is like. It doesn't have to be gender, but it's like it's who who are you as a person, not just in terms of sexuality or gender or it's just like what do you value? Who do you want to be? Yeah. And also that you have this path that you said like the love interest Graham goes on with this idea of like 
not necessarily having a sure thing like a, okay this is what I'm aiming towards but just being like if I just decide to live my life in like an authentic a joyful a a way that's going to be true to myself like what can that look like but the fact that you also have the lead character and these like gay guys who are deciding to create spaces in which people can like safely do like trustful do a queer trustful into the idea that like hey someone will be there to help if I do decide to do this I'm not just going to be like completely alone in a way that you have like these setups of like the heterosexual family which is meant to hypothetically be the place that you can come back to or that you can get reliable help from that it's like well we can set up our own networks and our own spaces and our own like individuals who are going to able to be like hey I got you like if you want to do this you're not going to be alone just because your parents are like cutting you off there are so many people who will be able to support you into whatever the future holds and I think both sides of that coin are like such a nice you're right like kind of underlying like never explicitly said in a very didactic way in the movie but like that is what's going on essentially that you have to have both sides of that for it to work you can't just be like okay screw you family I'm out of here because that is a recipe for real disaster a lot of the time and like these like really really horrible statistics that we see around queer people being disproportionately uh, affected by homelessness like all of this stuff is this sense of okay, I can't live like this within my actual family, but like what now? And I think the more that there is also this sense of like community from everyone else who's able to like step in and to help and to like be that soft landing pad, I think the better it's going to be for like everyone in the community on all sides. And I, and I think that that's something that I think is really nice about like that, the, the way that they portray community, because mm. I feel like they could have fallen into an easy trap when portraying like this this safe house of xx queers where, where instead of two gay guys it would be like a lesbian or two lesbians sort of like like being showing like this lesbian who is like just released like be be a role model and i kind of think like that would be good in its own way obviously but i think that there's a benefit of having it to be two gay guys because it shows that even even though they're not the same they don't have the same sort of like view on like gender presentation they don't have the same like experience at the conversion therapy camp there's still this like solidarity between Mm. queer people and the fact that it's a completely obvious thing like it's not even questioned for a second it's just like well of course we're going to help i think that that's really nice i think that 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 shows that there is a community of people who aren't exactly the same like you but who share like a similar type of struggle and I think that, that 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 makes the movie like really hopeful in that sense, right? Because you can be like, well, it, it tells this like a little bit of a story of, of, of the found family, right? Like you don't mm. you don't necessarily need your birth family in that sense. Like obviously it's, it's nice and good to have, but it's not the end of the world if if those people don't support who you are. Like you will be able to find your own truth and you will be able to find like your own family if, if that is the case. Which, you know, is, is a little depressing in its own way, but I think it's a message that a lot of people, and I mean, especially, like, people who come from backgrounds where they might not be sure if their parents or family will support them, I think that that's a message that they might need to hear, right? Mm. But I also think that it's really good that at the end of the movie, the main character's parents go to, like, this support group for parents who are, like, supportive of their queer children, because like previously in the movie they said they said something along the lines of like well we will disown you like you will not have us in your life anymore if you decide to pursue homosexuality and i and i kind of like that at the end even though they said that it's like well that's not a guarantee that they will be out of your life forever Mm. and even though there can be like tension it's not the end of the world and it's not a sure thing that it's going to even happen in the first place yeah and i think that that is a really yeah that's really hopeful it shows that it can happen and if it doesn't happen that's great but if it does happen there is a found family for you stunning was it so with this movie was this one of the ones that you do you remember when you first watched it like was it a really effective movie for you at that point or was it kind of like on repeated watches it's become more and more relevant i saw this movie in 2000 i think because my dad had it on tv at some point why my, why my dad was watching this movie on TV? No clue. I thought it, maybe he thought it was funny. I, I remember watching it then and being like, this is fascinating. This is very interesting to me. I don't know why, but it's interesting to me. 
And then I remember that I, I managed to buy it on VHS cassette so that I could see the entire movie and not really understanding why I liked it so much. But as I sort of started to like piece together the ideas of, of my own sexuality and gender presentation uh, and gender identity, this movie has sort of like become bigger and bigger in my mind than it ever was as a kid. Because mm. like I, I didn't even realize that I was trans until I was 19 years old, right? Like for, for the longest time, I thought that I was like, oh, cool, I'm either gay or bisexual. Like that's what's going on here. That's there's gender going on, but it's like in a in a in a heteronormativity sort of mm. sense. So, so like when I had those thoughts, this movie was like, oh, cool. This is helping me deconstruct like ideas of sexuality. And then after a while, I was like, actually, there, there's even more going mm. on here. There's something else going on there. And then you start seeing more and more things like in, in the movie about that, too. I love the fact that you, even in the year 2000, were querying the quintessential dad experience of like <laughs> normally it's the it's the kid who's watching the movie and the dad comes in halfway through and just sort of like stands in the hall the doorway and is like and you're like do you want to come sit down and watch this and they're like no no I'm just gonna stand here I'm not really watching it I'm going to do something else and then they just stand there for a bit too long it's like you the child being like hello papa you are you are watching this I will be the one that's standing like no no I'm definitely gonna do something else now it's just this is this intrigues me and I'm not sure why I'm just gonna stand here for a little bit I love that it's, it is that kind of thing of sometimes there is just this, what what is really has like, I guess, tied together this, the, the Mulan thing and even the Robin Hood thing and this is this sense of like, there is something here, this like instinctual curiosity, this confusion, which I think is like so many people who come in these episodes, it's not that they watched a movie and immediately were like, yes, I understand how this is relevant to me and my identity and my life, especially when they were younger. It is this sense of there was something, yeah. there was something going on and it wasn't until later that I could articulate it, but it was, there was definitely something going on even years before they came out or they even started actively questioning or even consciously thinking about their gender or sexuality, that there was just something happening that I think is very telling because the other way around where you are, consuming stuff which is affirming heteronormativity and cisnormativity there is also we aren't necessarily conscious of the fact that we are absorbing some kind of message or there is something going on which is coming into us but there obviously is because then you get to a point where you're like having to acknowledge the ways in which you depart from that and it does feel like okay I clearly was like absorbing some messages and not necessarily realizing. So sometimes it is like particularly distinct when you see something that goes outside of that and it like resonates in a way, even if you can't figure out what it is. Like we're always kind of absorbing these messages and it's just sometimes when there's something that just goes slightly out of that kind of mainstream messaging that you're like, oh, wait, now I'm, now this is making sense. Yeah. God, I, that, that reminds me because I, I, I showed this movie to like a bunch of my friends at the time and none of them liked it like none of them thought oh it was, god none of them thought it was interesting and i was like but it's like there i don't know what's about but it's it's, it's like funny like I, and I, like I, I try to always sort of like concretize what it is i actually liked about the movie and i never could do it i was just like but it's it, it's so mm. interesting it's so like why don't you want to watch this like over and over for like days like i do and I didn't realize that, like, a big part of why I liked it is because I, I got that sort of, like, sense of something going on, rather than the movie being, like, artistically, like, actually really good. Oh, my God. Because, you know, I, this, peop this movie has got, like, mixed reviews, like, as a movie. Mm. But as indoctrination, it's, um, it's perfect. <laughs> it's incredible. I just love the idea of, like, there being a parallel scene to, like, the scene in the movie where they all have her sat down like the parents the boyfriend are like we think you might be a lesbian like you're a lesbian right that you have shown this movie to your friends and they're all looking at you like in a few years maybe we'll have this moment where we'll have to be like hey if you haven't figured it out by now maybe you should like be thinking about why this movie resonates with you so much it feels like a moment god gosh i remember thinking about that scene too and like you're right. I, that, there may be something like that. I don't think... Mm. No, that, that has actually happened. Uh, like, a, f a, f <laughs> a, f a few a few friends of mine, as I came out as trans, they were like, well, yeah, you didn't know? 
<laughs> Wait, we thought this had already been established. We thought that was already a thing. What? Legitimately. I've also had this happen with like a bunch of friends too. Because like, I, I got to see it in like in, in other people. Actually, some people who are quite famous on YouTube right now, where it's like they exhibit things where it's like, I see what's going on. Hmm. Do you see what's going on? Do you know what's happening? Yeah, especially when it's stuff that's not not like stereotypical, but that you yourself have gone through. So you're like, it's not that I'm looking at this and being like, oh, I'm going to take all these stereotypical things that mean that you have to be trans mm-hmm. or you have to be queer, but more like mm, you're expressing ideas about gender or attraction or whatever in a way that feels a little bit mm, familiar. <laughs> like it's, uh-huh, it's all coming together. Mm-hmm. I mean, like my, like, notoriously, I came out to my friends as queer and they um, apparently didn't pay any attention because I then casually mentioned it later and they were like, wait, what? And I realized it was because in my head, I'd said it. None of them had heard it. But I, in my head, I was like, wow, look at them all just accepting this so casually, not even mentioning it, just, just to show how they don't think about me any differently. It's just a part of life. And in fact, they just hadn't heard me, which is the most ridiculous, like could have been in a a teen comedy movie way of coming out. Can I, God, can I tell you a similar story? And that's, and and please do that. It has nothing to do with like anything else. But um, the first time I, I came out as, as trans, there was around the time when like one of the Hobbit movies was coming out. I don't remember which one. Uh, this is important. This is relevant. Amazing. I liked it if it wasn't. It was just a bit of context. Like, <laughs> hey, culturally at the time, we were suffering through the Hobbit movies and I was suffering through figuring out my identity. It's all, it's, it was all in the air at the time. I'm setting the, I'm setting the lore, the context, <laughs> the setting. I think it was a third one. I'm not really sure. Specifically, it's because in the movie, I don't remember which one, I haven't seen them, there's this elven king called Thranduil, but in in Swedish, you would, like, you would say not Thranduil, but Tranduil, like, you would be a bit mm. more, like, on the T. Uh, and I, I, I was sitting in a kebab shop with my best friend, who I'm still, like, best friends with her to this day, and she was so excited for these fucking movies, and I could not give a shit, unfortunately, I'm sad to say, and... She kept talking about like how she's looking forward to see Thranduil and like how she, like she's looking forward to see all all of these things. Meanwhile, like there's a part of me that's just like I planned that morning, being like I'm gonna come out today, like this is happening today, and I'm gonna do it in a public place so that if she freaks out, it's not gonna be a thing, like and I can just like she, I'm gonna force her to not freak out. Like it's I had I had this whole meticulous plan thing out, so I I was barely listening, and I'm like my brain is just screaming like you need to tell her, you need to tell her, you need to tell someone, and. I kind of just blurted it out in the middle of conversation and just said, like, like I'm trans. And she thought, for some reason, that I said, ah, like Thranduil. And she just, and, 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 and oh for God. some reason, that, like, fit into the conversation, that like, the thing that she was saying. And, and she was like, yes. And, and then she just kept talking about the movie. She <laughs> just kept talking about the Hobbit movie. Yeah. <laughs> And you were like, babe, please, we, I get it. You love The Hobbit, but there's, <laughs> can we acknowledge what just happened? That's so funny. I legitimately had to be like, hold on. Did you even understand what I just said? And she was like, yeah, Thranduil. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. Cycle it back a second. We need to stop talking about the fucking Hobbit movies. I, I genuinely thought you were going to be like, yeah, so I'd really decided. And she wasn't really like, I, we, we couldn't get off the topic of the Hobbit movie. So you just decided to be like, Thandril, more like Trandril, right? I'm trans. Just let me just segue into this real quick. How do I tie this into the Hobbit movies? That's what I should have done. How do we get this, make this relevant? Oh my God, I love that. Truly, I feel like disaster coming out stories are not displayed enough. They don't have enough representation. There's too many I'm gays. We really need some chaos nonsense uh, in our movies as well. I know, right? Because that's like, I don't know anyone who's like come out in a very like stereotypical way. Mm -hmm. In that sense, everyone always has like a, a weird disaster story or some disaster content to it. And, and 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 in a way, I kind of appreciate that about this movie too, because like they're not really doing that, but they they're doing the thing that you mentioned earlier of like we all suspect that you are this thing, mm-hmm. like like very much laying it up for a person to come out. God, <laughs> well while we're sharing funny stories, can I tell you the story of when I came out to my parents? Yes, please. Because tactical mistake that I did, because uh, I am I am both transgender and bisexual, right? 
Mm. My parents do not know, did not know of any of these things. And there was a part of me, I don't know why God in heaven I thought this, was like, I'm going to come out as both at the same time. Just just two birds, one stone, two, let's go. Like, rip, rip the off band-aid. the band-aid. Exactly. <laughs> and it's got to be fine. And, like, my parents took it took it well. Like, we have a good relationship. So, like, the, the, the vibe is fine, right? It, like, it, it was still sharp. But the way that I did it was, for some reason, I decided that coming out as bisexual first would be, like, the smart move. Because that would sort of, like, put them in the vibe of, like, aha, something's going on. And then I could Mm -hmm. sort of, like, ease into the trans stuff because I felt like that was more serious. But that is not how it came across. Because I was, like, I you know, I gathered my parents, like, in the living room, asked them to turn off the TV so we could, like, have a conversation. And I stood by the fireplace, like, standing up, like I was doing a recital. (laughs) And I was like, Mom, Dad, I'm, I'm bisexual. I have, like, I said something like, like, I have something to say, it's, it's very important, and I need you to take it well, like, uh, I, like, I'm bisexual. And they immediately was like, oh, cool, that's it? You know, it's a bit of a shock, but we can, we can don't have to do that. And, like, they were trying to, like, move on from the conversation a little bit, and I had to be mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I have more. There's more. <laughs> Not only am I this thing, I am also transgender. And I legitimately got the vibe from both my parents of, like, <laughs> at once... Right now, I like the idea that you could do like a, a if you were like, okay, I don't know how they're going to react to this and like which one is going to be easier to take. What you could have, here's my pitch. If you ever get a time machine, you say, we're going to play two truths and a lie. And you just think of something that's so much worse. You'll be like, I'm bisexual. I'm trans. I killed our dog. And, and then they'll have to be relieved because they'll be like, well, at least you didn't kill our dog. That's, yeah, that perfect. That's amazing. Can I just say my dad would 100% have loved for you to be one of my siblings because when I came out as gay to him, so I came out as a lesbian, I have an older brother who's gay. And my dad uh, asked me if I thought my younger brother could be bisexual. And I was like, I don't know, like, has he said anything about it? Like, I, uh, maybe in my head, like, oh, like, I thought, like, we're quite close. I feel like he maybe would have told me, but maybe not. And my dad just goes, yeah, it's, I mean, not really. It's just, if he was, I'd basically have one of each. So I was like, (laughs) okay, you want to, like, Pokemon collect them all, sir? I don't know that. I don't think that's how it works. Uh, He was, like, so committed. He was like, oh, that would be really cool. But now I'm, like, unfortunately, straight. Ugh, loser. Just an ally. I guess. Typical. Typical ally not being bisexual. Ugh, so inconvenient <laughs> to our family law. Amazing. Well, I mean, like, we've very much reached the end of our time. I feel like we covered Feel-y. so much. Yeah, like, just 10 out of 10 movie choices. Really dug into those stereotypes, those classic choices. But I think found a lot of like interesting stuff in there beyond just the obvious kind of surface messaging of what they were doing at the time. You went beyond the girl boss slay queen to find the trans and bisexual agenda underneath. And I respect you for that. I I thank you. I hope that I wasn't too basic (laughs) in my analysis. No, I love that. Honestly, it was like it's it's always fun to see that these choices that I think a lot of people make with these movies but like everyone does have a slightly different relationship to it a different idea of like what it is specifically about it that they found so interesting depending on like what time of their life they saw the movie like what they were going through at the time and like that's what's always really exciting to me of like even the most quintessential queer movies have like you have a different relationship with it and you have a different interpretation or thing that really resonated and like that is one of the things I love about these episodes of like talking to people about the movies and that there's always something new and something unique that people have like brought to it. Sometimes very heartfelt, sometimes very chaotic. And I appreciate everyone's anecdotes from both ends of the spectrum. God bless. (laughs) Um, so yeah, thank you so much for joining. Um, what a wonderful, lovely episode of the show we have just had. Love a bit of giggles in the morning. Um, that is it for another episode of the queer movie podcast. If people have enjoyed listening to you chat where can they find you online or elsewhere oh well first of all i want to thank you for having me on the podcast i was very happy to be on um, thank you so much very happy to be asked you can find my stuff on miamulder.com and that will take you to my youtube channel uh, and if you want to listen to the podcast that i do you can go to leech fest wherever you listen to your podcast amazing which is a medical history podcast very different vibe. We, I talk about bugs and leeches and like the humoral theory of medicine. 
and how bad they all were. <laughs> I literally just watched the latest series of Bridgerton where there's a whole scene where these doctors are arguing about like, you fool, you leached him and the humors have now moved to his brain. And you're like, oh, medicine. <laughs> mm. It's so fun. Delicious medicine. But you can find all my shit there. Perfect. If you live in the municipality where, I'm, where I am a politician uh, and you want to have a municipal proposal, go vote. <laughs> you could also, it's like you can find me online and also uh, at my office where I work <laughs> for the government. <laughs> no, I, I am the government. I, where I am the government. <laughs> uh, where I work for the people. That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy these episodes, then please consider supporting us over on Patreon. It allows us to make this podcast, essentially. Um, as a patron, you not only will you get to be like, hey, I made the podcast happen, but also there are a bunch of perks that you have access to. So you can join our queer movie club where we do watch alongs on our Discord every single month. At higher tiers, there's also movie recommendations, a monthly newsletter with a curation of lots of gay shit that we've found on the internet this month. And of course, thank you once again to Jennifer and Toby for supporting us on the highest tier on Patreon, Rainbow Parents tier. We are so, so thank you for your support. Thank you so much. Also make sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast so you are notified when our next episode drops. I've been Rowan Ellis, we are edited by Julia Shafini and a part of Multitude. Find out more of their amazing stuff at multitude.productions. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you'll hear from us very soon.